Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Filed. Hey, guys. I'm your host, Anna. And I'm Brandy. Thank you so much for listening in to this week's episode. Everybody over at the File team truly appreciates your support. If you're new here and you want to keep track of our show, you can jump over onto Instagram or Facebook and follow us at The Filed Podcast. As always, the sources for this episode are linked down in our show notes so that you can check out those. Also, I have been heavily considering doing a small, very, very small merch drop. It wouldn't be anything major, but if you are interested in that, please reach out and let us know. We've always considered doing this, and now it just seems like just as good as time as any. I want to keep the intro short so we can go ahead and jump into this week's story, which was suggested by a listener a little while ago, and so I'm super excited. I had never heard of this case before now, but we are more than excited to be jumping into it today. We are headed over to Alquippa, Pennsylvania in 2013. This is the story of Rachel Del Tondo. Welcome to The Filed Podcast. Mother's Day in March 2018, 33-year-old Rachel Del Tondo was returning to her parents' home from getting ice cream with her friend Lauren Watkins at the local ice cream shop, Hank's. She had been living with her parents, Lisa and Jody, for quite some time and was very close to both of them. Rachel was more than likely intending to sit down at the end of their bed and tell them each about the day she had had. Lauren dropped Rachel off and watched her walk to the side of her home. The next thing anyone knew was that someone at close range was firing 10 to 12 gunshots in Rachel's direction. The neighbors, hearing the commotion, called the police. When they arrived, Rachel was pronounced dead at 10.45 p.m., her body being found at the end of her parents' driveway. Now, I know I just dropped you in the middle of a crime scene. Yeah, what the heck? We are going to kind of hop all over the place this week, so I'll keep you on track with timelines. But, so who is Rachel Del Tondo? Who is Rachel Del Tondo? Rachel was described as being big-hearted, kind, loving, and an elementary school teacher for the Alquippa School District. Many state that she would go above and beyond to care for her students. She had also been in a long-term relationship with Frank Catrapa. The couple had met when they were just kids. When they finally became interested in one another, Frank was engaged and Rachel was already in a relationship. Nevertheless, the couple swore to leave their partners for each other, and they did. Which, already a rocky start to a relationship, but after several years, Rachel was pushing and pushing for Frank to finally put a ring on it. According to Rachel's best friend, Jen, all Rachel wanted was to be married and to have kids. In fact, Rachel was only living with her parents until Frank proposed. Frank was very wealthy and had several connections in the community. The majority of the connections being with the Aliquippa police department because his father was a retired police officer from the department. Rachel had put several deadlines on Frank for the engagement, and finally in 2015, Frank took Rachel to Paris where he proposed with a six-carat diamond ring. Wowzers. Yeah, that's huge. Rachel obviously agreed and phoned her mother to tell her the good news. Lisa, Rachel's mother, had spent 10 thousand dollars 
on a wedding dress. Wowzers. <laughs> and an additional $3,000 on shoes for the big day. So just 13000 on just what she was going to, like, wear. And that's not the veil, makeup, hair, anything. I hope you're not expecting those kinds of things. <laughs> Maybe I am. Mm. <laughs> but that would all come crashing down. Frank asked Rachel to sign a prenuptial agreement, which Rachel agreed to do. However, her mother encouraged her not to sign it, and the couple ended up ending their engagement. Oh. But they did end up staying together, so they weren't going to get married, but they were still dating. At this point, everyone in Rachel's life wanted her to end things with Frank, but she wasn't quite ready. Instead, she was still seeing Frank and lying about it to everyone she was closest to. The relationship was never quite the same after the prenup argument. According to Frank, Rachel was being more jealous and obsessive the farther Frank pulled away. In February of 2016, Frank went away for the weekend to attend that year's Super Bowl. Rachel ended up finding out that other women were also on the trip with him, which obviously upsets her because they have this weird thing going on, and she kind of flips out on him. So overall, the relationship is not good. Even leading up to the engagement, everyone talked about how um, Monday they would be so in love, and then by Wednesday they would be talking about breaking up. So they just were very unstable. Frank was known to throw himself a massive birthday party every year. In December of 2016, Frank threw his annual party, and while there, Jen had taken notice that Rachel looked as though she had been doing drugs. So Jen, as Rachel's best friend, confronts her about it at this party. Things escalate quickly, and the two begin screaming at each other. At this point, Rachel slaps Jen across the face. Mm. Wow. In response... Frank runs over and Jen yells, ask her about what she did in that car with that kid. Say what? So this is where it's going to get a little crazy. So everyone is shocked, but the party ends and Rachel and Frank lose all contact with Jen after that point. Frank asked Rachel what Jen meant when she asked him what she had done with that kid in that car that night. Rachel says that she had met up with 17-year-old Sheldon Jeter at a Circle K at around 11 p.m. because he really needed someone to talk to. Was this a student of hers? Sheldon Jeter was a 17-year-old football player that Rachel had met as she had been a substitute in his elementary school. What? So, I don't think it was a... She was actually his substitute teacher... But she's gorgeous. Everyone, I mean, the pictures of her, I mean, literally, she's probably one of the prettiest women I've ever seen. And they all wanted to go visit her because she was, like, the cool substitute. So right. I think that teacher, like, other teachers would be like, oh, if you're good, you can go see. I think they called her Misty. And so um, they would let her, they would let their students go see her if they were well-behaved. He gets in the passenger side of the car and they sat and talked for a while. She then claims that a police officer approached the car and asked what was going on, but nothing else happened. It was not clear as to what extent, but Frank believed her. When Rachel initially approached Jen about the incident, Jen stated that Rachel was absolutely hysterical. She comes to Jen crying and makes her swear up and down that she will not tell anyone about what she's about to tell her, which of course Jen then broke the promise when 
screaming about it to Frank at his birthday party, but Rachel proceeds to tell her the exact same story, that she met up with 17-year-old Sheldon Jeter at a Circle K at 11 p.m. because he needed someone to talk to. A police officer showed up, but nothing else happened. Jen asked her two questions. First, was she doing drugs with him? She says no. And she asks, were you doing anything sexual with him? She says no to that as well. So then what is Jen referring to? Well, Frank drops it. He does not mention it after asking her about it that one time until over a year later. Frank, having his connections with the police, goes in to see if a police report was made concerning the night Rachel and Sheldon were together. Typically, you can only obtain police reports with formal request. So, Assistant Chief Police Joe Percival is reluctant, but the police says it'll be fine because it's just Frank. You can just give it to him. It's okay. Of course, the police chief denies that he said this, but Joe finds the police report on his desk, which is weird because the incident happened over a year ago. Joe claims that the department had only recently heard about the incident and it was determined that a report hadn't been filed. It was then requested that a report be made immediately because of the circumstances surrounding the situation. As he's reading it, it turns out Rachel had lied about what had happened that night in the car with Sheldon Jeter. The report indicates that Rachel had met up with Sheldon in an abandoned lot surrounded by a grass field kind of far out at 2 o'clock in the morning, instead of the original 11 p.m. she had stated. When the officer approached the vehicle, the windows were steamed up and the passenger seat was reclined all the way back. It also reported that Rachel did not want her fiancé to know because he would be very upset. And the incident had happened the same weekend Frank was at the Super Bowl in 2016. No way. Yes. So... Frank reads the report and is allowed to take the report home with him, which requesting it is one thing. Viewing it is one thing. Taking it home with him is a completely different thing. So is it the original report or a copy of the report? I'm not 100% sure, but either way, he shouldn't have the report, period. Just days after Frank obtained the report on October 26, 2017, some emails and texts went out to Rachel's school the school board, the media, the mayor, and Jen, detailing the report of what happened from an anonymous sender. Uh, Not so anonymous. Frank swears up and down that he, while yes, he showed several people, he never sent those texts or emails. But Frank didn't just leave the department with the incident report. He was also given sensitive information like social security numbers and driver's license information that were also included in those texts and emails. But Frank swears that he did not send them. I don't believe him. I don't either. He's on this interview swearing. He's like, I did not send them. I did not send them. Like, it is him talking. It's not like reports. It's like him speaking. But I still... I still don't believe him. I don't believe it either. With all his connections, which I guess, yes, it could have been someone within the police department, but... But in today's time, can't they track that to an IP address or something? Um, I'm sure they can, but they haven't. They haven't released that information, and they may have, but they're probably keeping that close to chest just because they don't want that information out there just quite yet. But I think someone in the police department could have easily done the same thing, 
but they've had it for a while now. So why didn't they already do it? It's just a coincidence that Frank gets it. Then literally days later, it's sent out to all those people. It's not a coincidence. Allegedly. <laughs> Don't sue us. On November 6, 2017, Rachel is suspended from her position at the school. Her parents stated that she couldn't eat or sleep, and she was placed in a psych ward for three days. She was socially isolated and felt that there had been nowhere else to turn. By December of 2017, her relationship with Frank was completely over, but Lisa, on the other hand, wanted to fight the system by communicating with John Paul at the online news service Beaver Countian. She alleged that Rachel had information that there was mass corruption with public officials, which included Frank in the Aliquippa Police Department. Through the Beaver County Inn, Rachel begins working with the state police in the organized crime section at the state attorney general's office. At this point, Rachel is fearing for her life and she is reluctant to give out this information. She is receiving threatening anonymous messages, which include death threats. One message read, you won't live to see the end of 2018. Oh, wow. By spring of 2018, several investigations were being conducted on various departments in Alquipa. As for Rachel, she had been working hard to put her fears behind her. One of her methods was befriending 31-year-old Rayshawn Bolton. An affidavit states they had a, quote, serious relationship, unquote. Her parents state that she felt very safe with him and that she had given her a new chance at life. But Rayshawn happened to be Sheldon Jeter's older half-brother. Allegedly, Sheldon was very upset with their relationship. Rachel had also made another friend. 17-year-old Lauren Watkins. Rachel's not making real good choices. She was heavily advised by her therapist not to become friends with Lauren but she did it anyway. Lauren was also the daughter of one of the police officers at the Aliquippa Police Department. In Lauren's opinion, Rachel was family to her, and she stated that she was there for everything, such as college admissions or boy advice or whatever. So now we're back to the day of the crime. March 13th, 2018. Rachel and Lauren had decided to go out that evening for ice cream. Lauren had picked up Rachel and decided to go pick up a sweatshirt on their way there. They passed Sheldon Jeter in a car full of people. Shortly after, Lauren's phone lights up with a message from Facebook. Sheldon was asking her if he had just passed them. She says yes, and then he asks, What are y'all doing? And Lauren doesn't respond. Rachel and Lauren go and get the sweatshirt and then pick up Tyree Jeter the other half-brother of Sheldon Jeter, and then go to Hank's for ice cream. Search warrants indicate that Sheldon was texting Tyree the hour leading up to Rachel's death. At 10.07 p.m., he said, is y'all there? 10.15, he said, I got left, huh? At 10.19, who all you with? 10.30, Hank's closed. Some suggest this shows that Sheldon knew exactly where Rachel was that night. But Sheldon's lawyer says otherwise. Then, while in the same car, Lauren sends a text to Rachel saying, Go for a walk and I'll pick you up later. She claims that they were trying to have time without Tyree 
but Sheldon's lawyer seems to think that doesn't make any sense. Afterwards, Lauren drops Rachel off, watches her walk to the side of her parents' home, which there was a door on the side of their house that she had walked her, watched her walk up to. Her parents state they had never heard the door and claim they would have heard the door if Rachel had come home. The next thing that is reported is that Rachel is shot dead at the end of her parents' driveway. I was having a hard time following that. Okay. So, while they're supposedly at the ice cream place, Mm -hmm. Lauren texts Rachel to take a walk. So, yeah. So, Tyree, when he's with Lauren and Rachel, is getting texts from Sheldon just coming in, like, as what I read. Then, right before, they're driving. They're in the car together. I think heading to Rachel's home. At that point, Lauren texts Rachel and says, hey, go for a walk and I'll pick you up later. Kind of indicating that, like, I'm going to, I guess, go drop Tyree off. It was kind of unclear in her statements. And then I'm going to go pick you up so we can just spend some time together, just us. So, the day after the murder happened, Sheldon is immediately suspect number one. Lisa, so Rachel's mom, says that Sheldon was in love with Rachel, he was obsessed with her, he wanted to marry her, he had come to the house, so her parents' house, banging on the windows, Lisa claims that he's um, under the influence of alcohol, there's no evidence of that, but Lisa then points an air pistol at him, he leaves, and even... When was that? That was at some point leading up to this, I'm not exactly the date of that, Lisa was just talking on the interview about she knew who Sheldon was, She wasn't oblivious to him and Rachel's relationship, but Sheldon's attorney says the relationship was not just a friendship and it didn't start that night in the car. But that is the most amount of information we really get on her and Sheldon's relationship. When the police officers went to Sheldon's home with a search warrant, um, the warrant states that he did not give over the clothes they requested for that night. Like, are these the clothes you wore that la- last night? And he's like, yes. And he lied. Unclear. The His attorney is like, they are saying that he basically gave them their own clothing, but it was, in fact, just a pile of clothes besides his bed that they pointed to, said, are these the clothes you wore last night? And he's like, yeah. But I don't know if they were or were not. Then, of course, the focus shifts to Frank. Lisa was quoted saying, she told me a long time ago that he would kill her. So Frank obviously is kind of well-to-do in the community. He is very wealthy, kind of started his own business. He is well-connected. He's well-plugged in. So a lot of theories don't think that he killed her. A lot of theories think he had her killed if those theories point towards Frank. According to Frank, the night of Rachel's murder, he was already dating someone new and established an alibi by claiming that he was at his apartment with his new girlfriend. But afterwards, he was seen on social media posting a picture wearing a salmon-colored shirt that said fake alibi on the back of it. Just way too many coincidentals around old Frank. Well, he should have known, like he shouldn't have been doing that, because obviously they're going to look at him as a suspect, and two... It's not funny. It's not. Like, his ex-fiance was murdered in her driveway. And unless that you have some objective that you're trying to 
achieve, why are you making light of that by wearing a joke t-shirt on the internet? He and his attorney claim that he is no longer a person of interest, but officials wouldn't confirm or deny, and no one has ever been cleared for this crime. You have another unsolved case. I know, I know. The person who suggested this case was like, I've been down this rabbit hole for so long with this case because there's a lot of people it could be. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people it could be. So as for the charges against, or the claims against Alquipa, this town is located right outside of Pittsburgh. Has a population of around 9,000 at the time of this murder. So think about how few people that really is when you're talking in terms of population. The police unit has nine unsolved homicides. That's a lot for a small town. That's a lot for a small town. Like, a lot. In one week, Aliquippa had three different police chiefs. Don Coach was placed on leave for reasons not made public. Joe Percival, who we talked about earlier in the case... He was the assistant chief at the time, took over his position, and was arrested on charges that he had shared an obscene photo with Lauren, the 17-year-old. Why? He says it was an accident and meant for someone else. Eventually, those charges would end up being dropped on May 28, 2019. Like he's showing her a file of stuff and it's in the wrong file, or No, like he messaged her an obscene photo. That's all it said. I don't know what the photo was, but he... (laughs) Literally sent her an obscene photo. And was like, oh, it was an accident. Why would he even have her contact information? I guess because she was a daughter of one of the other police officers, but I still am like, that's sketchy. But it's also, you also have to remember that it's a town of 9,000 people. I still don't see the point. I don't either. And I'm not justifying it by any means. But I am saying, like, there are only... Ninth, it's just a very small town community. Um, and I pray that it was text message and it wasn't Snapchat. I'm not saying that it was, but I'm just saying that's a lot more dangerous, in my opinion, than having like a, t- a phone number to call. You know what I mean? Current police chief Robert Seelock thought that their department could not handle the case and turned the case over to Beaver County Detectives Bureau to conduct further investigation. Most of the police force working for the Aliquippa Police Department were officers that worked in four or five different departments. They were overworked and understaffed. And I'm not saying that's an excuse or there wasn't other corruption because there are investigations into the corruption. There's a grand jury investigation for corruption by the Pennsylvania Attorney General trying to determine what happened and where there is corruption going on within this county and in this department this department and other departments not just the police department as for um lisa and jody both of rachel's parents they are at peace with knowing that they will never know what happened to their daughter and rachel is laid to rest and they visit her often on august 15th 2023 beaver county district attorney announced that sheldon jeter was considered as a prime suspect in the 2018th shooting death of Rachel Del Tondo. So up until this point, he was a person of interest, but he has now been named the prime suspect. But we have no idea where this goes. Also, um, Frank is being, was being investigated within that grand jury investigation uh, into the corruption 
of several of the departments, but we still have no answers as to who actually murdered Rachel Del Tondo. I'm so sorry. This is the last time, right? I think for at least a few weeks, this is the last time that we will have an unsolved case. We definitely want to hear your guys' thoughts on this case. We have enjoyed getting to do this together and getting to put out this content. And we enjoy it whenever you guys enjoy it. So if you are interested in this show, you can click over onto the show notes for all the sources to get more information. There's a really, really good documentary linked there. And we hope that you have a great rest of your weekend. And we hope that you tune in next week for another episode of Filed. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.